Hi, I'm Kim Rickards, professional superglue and co-creator of Manifest. Manifest is a global platform with the vision to empower professionals of color to make connections and build intentional community to manifest careers, dreams, and goals. In this podcast, we will nurture, inspire, connect, and elevate our listeners through relevant stories and conversations. Now, let's Manifest. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Manifest. If you have ever found yourself saying, I have a craving for X or I have a craving for Y, you're definitely not alone. And thanks to today's guests, you can actually have your craving satisfied with the download of an app. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Bermani Mintz, a former LinkedIner and founder and CEO of dish-based food app Crave It. Crave It helps consumers and restaurants thrive even in the midst of a pandemic. And they do this by helping consumers search and discover the most popular curated dishes from local restaurants in their cities while helping restaurants run their marketing and operations efficiently. So it's totally a win-win for the foodie and the food provider. Bamani, welcome to Let's Manifest. Yes. Thank you so much, Kim. Really excited to, to be on the show and super honored and blessed, especially during Black History Month. It couldn't be any more timely. So thank you. Thank you for your ear, your attention. And I'm can't wait to uh, to dive into today's podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that we found the time to do this because I know that you are creating continuous content around <laughs> improving the app and really getting you know the right eyes to it. So I'm happy that we're having this conversation now because during Black History Month, people are always talking about food, and there's <laughs> there's a lot yes. of a lot of conversations around what are you having for dinner? You know, what are your favorite um, meals and things of that nature? And I'm sure all the totally. food conversations will have people hungry. So now they will learn where to get some of those cravings satisfied. As we have conversation around what led you to create this app, how it's going, and all the rest of that jazz. But before we get to the business of why we're here, we're going to have some fun as a warm-up. So we're going to start with the game of this or that. Have you played before? Ooh, I don't think so. So this will be pretty, pretty exciting. Hopefully I'm good. Is there, is there good or bad? Or is it, is it, there, okay, is, way. there is no good or bad. This is just fun. And I, think, okay. I actually think you're going to be really good at it because most of the people that say they've never played end up being the people that nail it. Like they like get the hang of it. And truly what you're doing is saying whatever comes to mind first, you're not going to think about it and you're just going to have fun with it. So are you ready? Let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. The first one, shower or bath? Shower. Football or basketball? Basketball. Sneaker or boot? Boot. All right. Well, let's, let's do sneakers and boots. So boots, because we, we need both of them, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> cake True. or pie? Uh, cake. Desktop or la- laptop? Oh, laptop for sure. Family or friend? Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go with family. <laughs> for, the, for, the sake, for the sake of staying on the good side of all right, family. Cool. What about sunset or sunrise? Sunrise. And the last one, LinkedIn post or Facebook post? Oh, LinkedIn post. Most definitely. Let's yeah. keep the fun going. Three things people may not know about you. Ooh, three things. Uh, okay. Um, one of them, my name. So Bomani means warrior. 
And um, I would say another thing that's kind of like quirky, but like something I've always wanted to do is I want to go to all 50 states in the United States. I'm like right around half way towards that goal, but that's definitely one of my goals. Nice. And third, let's see, lastly, um, I've seen every artist that I've wanted to see except Frank Ocean, and I am dying to see him in concert, especially because of the FOMO of him never performing. Uh, <laughs> wants me to do it even more, and he was supposed to be at Coachella uh, last year, and you know, with the pandemic, it didn't end up working out. But mm-hmm. I really want to see him. I I would pay an exorbitant amount to see him, and I'd probably cry at his concert from what I've heard a lot of people <laughs> do. So, is it really such an emotional experience? People said. Yeah. So the last time he played live, and uh, the listeners are probably going to quote me on this, but I, I believe it was at FYF in LA in like 2016. Oh. And I had a friend go, uh, X-Linked Dinner, actually, and he said, like, he cried at the concert. His voice was just incredible okay. live and so captivating. Well, for all those that know Frank Ocean listening to this, somebody let him know Bomani is waiting for his next performance. Patiently yeah. <laughs> <Patiently> waiting. <laughs> uh, even if, I'm like, we're, we're still basically inside. So, hey, Frank, I mean, you can do a virtual performance. That's yeah, right. It'll still be beautiful. You know, it'll still be beautiful. I'm sure it'll be dope. So, all yeah. right. All right. Well, I'm like, I didn't even know that about Frank Ocean. So I learned like five things. Now you're in line too. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, hmm, okay, very interesting. And, you know, as we start to get into today's conversation around, again, the creation of Crave It, I want to know what would your advice be to your 16-year-old self? And the part B of that question is, were you always a visionary or would you, would you have considered yourself that? Yeah, I would. I would say... I've always been that sort of person that's been a visionary 16 year old self. Okay. So I'm trying to think that's like sophomore year in high school, just got my license, like still an underclassman, but thinking I'm an upperclassman, I'm almost, (laughs) I would say, honestly, like a lot of things are right in front of our eyes, you know? So one of the things that I wish I would have done a little bit more at that age is to really dissect your interests because your interests really put you in the right path to be successful. So if you like art, if you like music, if you like playing around on your iPhone, if you like video games, cool, like diving deeper into why do I like that? Are there jobs in this industry? What kind of jobs are there? Can I create jobs? What kind of companies have these type of jobs so that you can focus your attention on what you actually love and actually start doing stuff and carving your career path towards that sooner rather than going through college, I guess the rest of high school, going through college, going through a couple of different jobs, figuring out you don't like it, figuring out you know your passions are different than your nine to five, and then you figure out later. So that would be my advice is like, if you like a couple things or multiple things, like just dissect as much as possible until you're like, that's what I want to do. I know how to do it. I can create a job or there's a job for me. How do I get in front of the right people? How can I make my passion be like something I fall in love with and actually have a, a life towards going to that passion and pursuing it? 
Mm-hmm. I think that the, 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 the dissection of thought and passion definitely is not given as much time as it should, especially yeah. at an early age. Yeah. And I feel like in high school, for the most part, at least thinking about my high school experience, that's when you're really in this space of who am I? Like you're starting to yeah. learn a little bit more about yourself, but then it's also sometimes when that struggle of trying to meet others' expectations of you is more prevalent than you actually taking time to listen to your own voice or to find your voice, right? So we don't always totally. give ourselves that time to really be like, what do I really like? It's more so like, okay, well, I think I'm still supposed to like this because my parents like it or my friends like it. So I'm just going to go with whatever. The norm, yeah. The norm, yeah. And Trying then- to fit in. Exactly. Trying to fit in. And then you end up not thinking about like a job in a career, like seriously thinking about that for those of us who had <laughs> the experience where we didn't really have to think about that until pre-graduation from college. But That's you're right. not really thinking about that until the, that moment, which is in the future, right? In, in yeah. 16, I'm thinking about maybe possibly the prom. who you're going with who's available yeah right right so i do like that advice um to your 16 year old self and you know as we as you're welcome as we bring it a little bit more well we're we're not current yet but we're we're getting there so okay 16 year old self you gave that advice to yourself but then what about 25 year old bomani 25 year old Bomani. Let's see. So he's I'm, lived a little, right? He's the guy that he, he, <laughs> he has his experiences behind him and now it's like a whole new world. So what's your advice to him? Yeah. That's, so I'm 30 now on my way to 31. So we're about six years ago, 25 year old self. I was here in San Francisco uh, six months into San Francisco, working at LinkedIn. It was my first six months at LinkedIn, call it first six to 12 months. I would say my advice to my 25-year-old self is just continue to push on towards your goals and really focus in on them. I think one of the big things that I learned early on is that if I'm interested in something, I'm going to devote all my time and energy into it. And I'm going to figure out a way to achieve. And I think that also comes from being an athlete, Kim. So I used to be a competitive swimmer for over a decade. Wow. Uh, and that taught me like my grit, my hard work and like goal setting. Swimming is fun to compete, horrible to practice because <laughs> it's the most boring practice sport you can have out there. And that really taught me how to deal with pain. So I think as I was looking towards my career and really diving deeper into my interests, I mean, one of the two of the reasons I moved out to San Francisco, and this was like right before I became 25 was uh, a, I wanted to work for my dream company, LinkedIn, but B, I wanted to work in tech so I could build at, at that time it was called ViewMu, but I essentially wanted to build a food tech company, which is now called Crave It. And I had to stay focused on those were the two reasons I'm out in San Francisco. And I think just staying focused on those things and not losing sight of things is very important, especially being in your mid, in your mid twenties, because it's very easy to get distracted and 
go off into different paths and then you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm 30. Whoa, what happened the last five years? I, I thought I was going to do this and now I'm doing that. What's good? Right. You know, you can't get those five years back, you know. Right, at all, at all. And, and and I guess like that's the that's the one thing that most people can resonate with is that you can't get the time back. So you really do, as you get older, you start to value it even more and you start right. to realize that, the things that truly are important to you aren't really the, or sometimes are not the same things that you thought five years before, right? Like your priorities kind of shift um, because fast forward to present day, you have, it's in the past now, you have worked for that dream company, you've worked for LinkedIn, you have now stepped out and you have taken on the hat of CEO and founder and I want you to actually tell the listeners how you came to create this epic company. I want you to walk us through the journey of how it started and how it's going. And then I also want you to tell us, other than food being a big inspiration in creating, <laughs> um, creating right? Like, yeah. what really motivates you to continue to go on? Mm, yes, very, very important. I'm glad you asked this, Kim. Those are, those are two different stories that I can mold into one. So I really started my love affair of food back in 2011. So this was like senior year of college for me. I had just created an Instagram account and I'll never forget this moment. I don't, it was just like, I don't know how it happened, but I was at <laughs> a brunch on a Sunday with uh, two friends that I'm still close with. And I took a photo of my, I think it was like um, walnut pancakes, I want to say, with like lemon ricotta. It, anyway, it was delicious. And I was like, I'm going to take a photo of this. And people are like, why are you taking a photo of food? That's like really weird. Like this was before it was like cool. You know? thing, now yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, Kim, it's like everyone does it. It's like, yeah, my, my favorite line is like, yeah, my favorite line is the camera eats first. And I, I live and breathe that. And <laughs> people that know me know that for sure. But I, uh, I took a photo of it, created my Instagram account and I decided, Hey, you know, my Instagram account is only going to be dedicated to food. Whereas I looked at Facebook and Twitter as accounts that are, you know, who I am as an individual as far as like events, uh, you know, touring the country, visiting friends, like you name it. That was like my community. But Instagram was like, this is where I'm going to document my eating experiences. And that was sort of early on. And I just became infatuated by documenting my eating experiences, especially around dishes, because no one was really highlighting the dish. Right. If you take a step back and you really think about food, it's really bizarre that you have to look at words and then think about or imagine what the food's going to look like, right? right. If you right. haven't had food, if you haven't had a specific dish before, how can you possibly imagine what it's going to look like when it comes out? But that's the reality of the world we live in, which I thought was so strange. Like, show me what the food looks like, you know, it looks so I can have an idea, especially right. if it's just like pancakes or waffle because not everything looks good just because mm -hmm. it's pancakes doesn't mean those pancakes are, are banging you know let's mm -hmm. be honest so everyone can't make a good pancake that is true that <laughs> is very true so yeah i started taking photos of food switch from basically taking photos of people to food 
moved to Houston, Texas to work for a consumer packaged goods company. And while I was in Texas on the side, I was just doing anything I could to take photos of food, whether it was working at a catering company on the side, working in an event management company, working at food truck festivals. I was just taking photos of food. And sort of prior to this backstory is that I was very blessed like early on in my life to really get introduced to technology early. Like my dad was a big Apple guy. We've only had Apple in the house. I was like the kid that had the first uh, iPod of my friends, the first iPhone. You know, I was I was uh, addicted to technology. I thought it was so cool. But I also like, and this goes back to sort of what I would tell my 16-year-old self, but I didn't really dissect why I like technology because I assumed like, oh, you know, you have to be an engineer to to work for Apple or these other companies. I don't want to be yeah. an engineer. There's no jobs for me, right? So right. that after that dissection, but roping that into my love of food, I was like, why don't I create a platform that showcases food by dish? Why is it always by restaurant? And I I was very motivated by early days of like uh, Chef's Feed, which was an app just dedicated to like what chefs like and what, what chefs are creating at, at different places, as well as uh, TasteMade, which is still around, but it's sort of manifested, as you will, into, into something else. And I was like, I'm going to wireframe and build out my own platform. And, uh, you know, I'm very interested in this. I started doing that and simultaneously... I was watching Bloomberg West. Uh, hmm. I was just like, wow, everything's happening in San Francisco. The future is like right there in front of my eyes. Like, I got to get out of Texas. I love Texas. <laughs> I got to get out of here. I got to I got to go to California and that was that was also a dream of mine since I was in middle school, maybe even elementary school to live in California. So this was like one of my tickets. I was like, man, I got to get to California. Uh, I've sort of hit a glass ceiling in in Houston. And I started reaching out to people I knew in California, and I was very, very fortunate to have a friend that worked at LinkedIn to refer me there. And I was like, I got to get out there to work in tech and to, you know, to build out this food tech company. So fast forward, January 2015, worked at LinkedIn, started off in sales development. I only knew one person in San Francisco, moved here, slept on a couch for about a month, month and a half, moved into a temporary living situation from there, which was, I would say, god awful at best. To mention, <laughs> not to mention how high the rent was in San Francisco. So oh my I, god, it's a mess! It's a mess. It is a mess. So I was, I was, at, so I moved from sleeping on a couch. You'll, you'll never believe this. To moving into a two bedroom apartment at that time. The rent was $4,400 a month, which is oh, I believe some people's mortgages, right? And yeah, I was, you know, I was sharing a room with somebody um, to pay half of the rent, and the room was so small, we couldn't have two beds. So both of us slept on an air mattress. No. Yes. Wow. I can't make this stuff up. And, you know, those are the times when you're like, why am I here? What am I right. doing? What am I doing? Yeah, I was in Houston. I had a beautiful apartment, brand new, overlooking the pool with palm trees, paying seven hundred bucks a month. I'm wow. sleeping on an air mattress for fourteen hundred dollars in a you know sharing a room. What's right. going on? What's going on? 
But I was like, you know, I'm here uh, for a reason. So as I started working my way up in LinkedIn and really focusing on, okay, you know, getting out of sales, like I wanted to get into customer success because I thought that was the best career path for me staying at LinkedIn because it allowed me to A, talk to customers, B, be able to talk to users, and then C and D, talk to product engineering uh, as well at the same time. Because I was like, these are key aspects in building a business. Like, this is sort of like a five for one in a role. This is perfect for me to be able to, you know, get out of the the bird's nest and create my own company. And, you know, that's exactly what I was doing. And while I was at LinkedIn, at that time, as I mentioned earlier, the company was called ViewMew, which stood for Viewing Menus in Photo Form. Which mm. seems to make sense, but the name's kind of suspect. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I didn't have anything else better because that, that's what it was. And as I was at LinkedIn, um, one of my, uh, my closest friend's cousins, I was, I'll never forget this day, I was, I was at LinkedIn. And uh, he was like, hey, you know, man, like what you're doing is cool. But like the name just like doesn't make sense. I'm like, what do you mean? View me, view me, man, using photo form. They're like, oh, yeah, it's just not. Just food. And I was like, what? So on my lunch break at LinkedIn, he was like, you know, when's your next meeting? I was like, oh, I have a little over an hour. He's like, cool. We're going to ask as many people as possible uh, if this food app should be called ViewMew or should it be called, I don't know, Crave, Crave, you know, Crave It. I was like, Crave It? Uh, I don't know. I, I kid you not, we probably talked to like 50 people, just basically yes or no, kind of like the this or that game that we just played. You know? <laughs> 10 out of 10 people were craving. I changed the name of the company that day. That was it. I was like, okay, great. So as I was at LinkedIn, you know, now I'm merging my, my dreams together, working in customer success, trying to build a tech company and I'll sort of give everyone the, the short version, but while I was bootstrapping Crave It along with my business partner at the time, who was also a LinkedIn employee, we went through four designers, four engineers, and a co-founder exit before I was able to get the team that I have today and go full-time, not including I invested over 20 grand of my own money just trying to move towards making a difference in my dreams because the reality of things now, unfortunately, if your friend's not technical or a designer, people want money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> working for free. So no. Make, make no mistake. And for those people that are listening, you know, if you're in college, this is the best time to start a company. Everyone's broke. Everyone's ambitious. No strings attached. You can lit, you can sleep on an air mattress and be cool with it. As you right. get older, that sort of, Changes. Uh, yeah, it dwindles, right? <laughs> Not right. sexy, you know? So right. that's the time to really start a business. Uh, but, you know, in the professional world, a lot of people, most people don't want to work for free. And also most people don't want to work uh, anywhere from 10 to 14 hour days because the reality of it is that you want to bring on someone to your company that has the skill sets and they typically already have a nine to five. So right. you're asking them to put in extra hours every single day. So they really have to like you as well as and, really like your product mm -hmm. and work for little money uh, or no money at all. And that little money is still a lot of money for someone that is, you know, a working person. They're still going to ask for a couple thousand dollars a month, which is nothing to them. But if you're like, 
I have to spend an extra, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars a month for X out of my existing expenses. That's challenging as a, as a founder and someone, but, um, I was able to weather the storm and, and, and made it through. Wow. That is amazing. And, you know, for those people that are listening that are unfamiliar with LinkedIn culture, LinkedIn culture actually promotes transformation stories like the one Bamani is sharing as well as collaboration. So the fact that someone was able to say, you know, let's just, let's just do a, a, you know, AB test right now and see what people are saying, (laughs) right? They were collaborating on your success because they were rooting for you. And I think it speaks to the company as a whole, um, which is why, you know, a lot of people that are interested in working there, they continue to strive for that goal because unlike you and I who have the pleasure to know what it's like, they're like, I want that, right? Like (laughs) they want to be- a part of a company that really does believe in collaboration and a company that also fosters entrepreneurial spirits. Right. So this LinkedIn as a whole is not a company that's like, Hey, you're on the clock. So. Right. That, that idea that you, out there. Yeah. That, that idea that you have, let it stay until five or 1 PM. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not, that's not what they're about. But again, I'm glad that you are sharing this because many people may not realize that sometimes when you are pursuing your dreams, you are going to make the sacrifice and sleep on the air mattress and be uncomfortable for a bit because you know that the ends justifies the means. Right. And I love that you touched on having the right team because there are so many people that are thinking right now, like, Oh my God, I have a great idea. I want to do this with like my crew. Right. Not realizing, like you said, that crew is going to have to really like you and be really committed because unless you have an investor coming out the gate, they're probably going to put in a lot of hours for little to no pay. And yeah, it can get a a little, a little uncomfortable, if you will. But, you know, (laughs) you've told us about how it started, essentially, but how is it going? Because I think and, and, you know, you may disagree with me or possibly not, but I do believe that the pandemic has helped you because people are paying more attention. And I think people have now dialed down even deeper into what it is they really want and where they want to focus their energy. And I think a lot of people have now discovered food because people are cooking and, you know, like they want to try new things. And I feel like even if they're not necessarily reaching or leveraging the app for them to purchase, they may be leveraging the app for what you were saying before, just to take a look to see it, to see what it looks like, you know, like, yes, you just never know. So yeah, tell us how it's going. It's, it's going well. I, it's, it's truly uh, a blessing and I, I'm very thankful every day that I have the opportunity to cons- continue to uh, pursue my dreams. I think, you're, you're right about the pandemic in some sense, because, you know, the, the pandemic's done sort of two different things for the, the industry. And by the industry, I mean the restaurant industry as a whole. Number one, it's sort of lit a fire under their ass and saying, hey, we really need to focus on like marketing our business. Because if you think about it, like the restaurant business is marketing their food. So if they're not properly marketing their food, how is anyone going to hear about them? 
Right. And then there's the other side of the, the, the challenge is those people that don't realize they need to market their food. And by market, I mean, be literally like online, on apps, on social. Those are the ones that are suffering because we are in a new economy where offline marketing is not happening. People aren't grabbing drinks. They're not going on walks, talking about, I went to this place, got this appetizer. That right. word of mouth is dead. So if you're not online in people's faces, so to speak, uh, you might be forgotten unless you're a staple. And even these staples that have been around tens of years are closing, which is just so sad. But mm -hmm. I, I think you know what's happening is that I like to say it's it's a restaurant renaissance. It's mm -hmm. really allowing restaurants to test the envelope and innovate, whether it's trying out new ways to get exposure, whether it is trying out new packaging, whether it's trying out new dishes, new menu items, you name it. The restaurant industry right now is, um, for lack of better words, it's on fire because mm -hmm. it's fight or flight. There's no right. back. Right. People are going to walk by and see us. It's no, we've got to get food out the door. We have to make money. We have to be innovating. So it's created a whole new dynamic. And then on the, the food lover side, you and I, it's really about how you feel. What's my mood? What's mm -hmm. good? And no longer is the experience justifying the means to going to a place. Now, all of the attention is on the food and the dish, which is why I got into this game in, in the first place, because now I don't care what the atmosphere looks like. How good is the food for me to pick up or order? Because that is what's front and center. So now the shift is really focusing on the dish. And that is a huge shift. And unfortunately, in the industry today, the way we think about food is different than the way we actually are able to find food. So as human beings, you and I share, talk about food. We think about dishes, but we're not able to find food on the dish level. It's all right. restaurants. Then you have to uncover what's the best restaurant, right? Which the ratings are focused on the restaurant, not the food. Then you have to look at the food to see what they have. Then you have to dissect are the photos good? Does the food justify things? What are the ratings like, right? It's, it's completely backwards. And people are really starting to wake up to the fact of, of that. And that's exactly what we're building with Crave It. But it's, it's, uh, it's really changed the industry, you know, with COVID. And I think that it's waking people up, uh, both in the industry and not, especially for food lovers like, man, the restaurant industry is tough. Like no one's giving them any support and love. The landlords aren't doing it. You know, these people have done everything they could to put their heart and soul into food and, you know, they've put their life on the line and it's, it's challenging to see that, that, uh, you know, collapses or, you know, people thrive in it. And I think now people are a lot more cognizant of that, which is very important because, we might have taken that for granted for all of these decades where, you know, people just dine and drink and whatever, you know, onto the next restaurant, no big deal. Uh, it's really caused us to sort of pause and take a step back and really focus on what's important to us. So I definitely mm -hmm. think the pandemics really shaped Crave It and, you know, what we're creating and really focusing on supporting both sides of the table, so to speak, the food lover as well as the restaurant. But 
at our table, Kim, we have multiple players. So as we're building a, a food focused community, we have tastemakers, people that like to create salsas, their own mm. cakes on the side. You have the at home chef that does chef cookings or chef tasting in people's homes. You know, you have right. these food trucks. All of these things are fragmented and it's very hard to dissect who's where, who's doing what, how do you order this? How do you build a brand or a connection with that food lover? And we're putting that all in one platform for the, for the love of food, really. That way you have one succinct platform for all your food needs and you're not consistently going to multiple apps, scrolling. <laughs> and, oh, man. You know, shouting yeah. out stuff. It takes a lot of time. It does. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel that so many people don't realize that your attention is being fought for daily. You know, whether it's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's, you know, the the times or wherever, whatever it may be, it's fighting for your attention. So I do agree that people have to really think about where do I want to be? Like, what's really of interest to me? Right. So kind of going back to what you were saying, right? (laughs) What is this that I'm really interested in? What am I passionate about? And how much time do I want to spend there? Right. Like you really have to, I would say, get, get more strategic almost (laughs) with, with how you're spending your time because of the fact that there's so much content out there and so many different apps and so many different um, ways for you to consume these things. But with Crave It, this is more, which is why I like the fact that it's a curated experience because this is more aligned with, um, you know, you can come here and essentially have your your taste fulfilled, your taste filled, your taste buds filled. Um, goal, yeah. Based on whatever it is that you truly are craving, right? So you don't have to worry about trying to figure out what does a snoodle or a schnitzel or whatever. Yeah. What is what does that even mean, right? Like you're reading through it, but then when you see it, you're like, oh. Okay. Eat with our eyes. <laughs> right. This actually looks really delicious. I'm going to check it out. And, you know, it, it actually helps that way. But I want you to share, as we start to wrap a little bit of our time together, uh, what's a lesson you didn't see coming, but you're appreciative of it that you've learned? Yeah, you know, I think a, a big lesson just in life and in business that I've learned is uh, community is everything. And having the right community around you, you are in a much better position and really focusing on who your core group of people are because Mm. who you surround yourself with determines your thought process, determines your ideas, and that's infectious. So, you know if you're around the right people and have the right culture, that is going to translate into everything. And I, I mean, before it LinkedIn, Kim, you know, I, I knew that, but like working at LinkedIn really fostered the company culture mm-hmm. and that has helped me in so many ways in my life as far as, you know, building the right company culture at Crave It, making sure it's inclusive, everyone's voice is heard, but that culture aspect and community fosters into my, my daily life. You have to make sure your friends' thoughts are heard, their opinions, how you respect people, how you respect people in your community, you know, so that, that all translates. So that's been a huge lesson that 
I've learned and I try and continue to, to do that every single day with, you know, people in my life. And I think it's, it's been working out so far. <laughs> <laughs> so far. Well, you wouldn't believe this, but today my affirmation was actually from Buddha and the affirmation Ooh. was what you think you become, what you feel you Thank attract, you. what you imagine you create. So I love that <laughs> you just said that because I'm like, that aligns with my manifestation of the day or my affirmation of the day and what I wow, truly believe great. that I will manifest. Yeah. Do you have awesome a, a book or a notepad or how, how do you yeah. get these, uh, oh, these good daily old. insights? Yeah. There, there's this cool girl that I won't say her name, but she's okay. pretty smart. Um, I'm not going to say her name because then she's going to actually interrupt our conversation and start talking to us. But she, oh. her name starts with an A and I just asked okay. her. <laughs> In the mornings, I ask her for the daily affirmation and then she will, she'll spit something out. And today she actually said that. And I wrote it down because I was like, girl, you are on point. Thank you wow, Amazon, for creating her. Hack if, if other people don't know that, I'm going to talk to Miss A after this call in here too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have learned the hard way with calling her name out um, <laughs> randomly. And she's just like, you called me, you know, like she just interjects, but she is always listening, always listening. But, you know, one of the things that I, I think is truly important, and it is something that you're touching on a lot of what you're saying is really coming down to believing that everything that you think you can actually do and then actually doing it. Right. So, yeah, it starts as a thought. And then that thought is powered by action and those actions manifest the product that we now are able to tangibly have. Right. But listeners are probably saying, but money, you know, everything that you're saying sounds great. What's some advice for me? I'm on the fence, dude. I don't know. Like I want to, but I don't know if I want to make the sacrifice. What's your advice to them? Yeah, I think the the biggest advice that I could give is to and this goes back to like just dissecting like you have to figure out what you want to do and you have to figure out what kind of life you you want to have, especially like, you know, if you have a side project, passion project, you have to figure out what do you want to do with that? Is it cool for you just to have a blog and have people come to that blog and then have a different job and that's gratifying you know, for you, do you want to create that blog where that's your full-time job? If so, how do I get there? Do you want to build a billion-dollar business? If so, work backward from that. So it really comes back to self and, like, what you feel fulfilled from and what you get out of that fulfillment. And I think ultimately, like, no one can tell you that. That's something you have to figure out on your own and take some time, whether it's multiple walks, thinking about it, meditating, whiteboarding, talking to other people in the industry, whatever the case may be, or, you know, having a better relationship, you name it, anything that you want to achieve in life is definitely possible, but it, it starts with you as the individual taking the first step. No one else can take that step. That's why they have that saying, what is it? You can't lead a horse to water or something like that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's true. You got to, that always has to get there themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So it always comes back to you and you're the only person truly that's going to prevent yourself 
from from doing that because everyone else is always going to put their negativity on you based on their experience, experiences and that's just the reality of life there's this uh you know it's that's that's unfortunate but it's it's true and if you realize that sooner it'll help out because the reality of life is like all of these people that have done stuff or doing stuff like everyone's told them they shouldn't or couldn't do it mm-hmm. you know and then they do it and they prove people wrong so that's just the that's just the way life is. And, um, you know, you got to figure it out for yourself. You got to figure it out for yourself. And the last question I have for you is what are you manifesting? Ooh, right on cue. I love that. (laughs) I am manifesting my dreams of changing the world through food. And that is what I'm working towards every single day, building community around food where you can find the best food, find the best restaurants, the best chefs, best recipes. And then also what we're doing with Crave It here in the future is we're also going to be giving back to the local communities for those people that uh, aren't fortunate enough to have three meals or two meals a day. We've truly are building community and that's exactly what I want to do on a global scale is really help through food and I'm very excited to be able to continue to to do that and to to grow the company and um, to change everyone's life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I am happy to be a part of this journey. I'm happy that, you know, we had this time together where you were able to put this out further into the universe and touch even more people. So now listeners have learned something new. They've learned a few new things about you. (laughs) And (laughs) they also know that they have something to download. So thank you so much for joining Let's Let's. Wow, I don't even know the name of my podcast anymore. <laughs> Thank you for joining Less Manifest. <laughs> yes. Thank I, you for like, having me. Most, I mean, well, you know, absolutely my pleasure, but I had a really good time with you. And hopefully, Likewise. yeah, I was going to say, hopefully you enjoyed our conversation. And this won't be the last time we hear from you, right? So definitely not. We learned a lot of things from you too. So we got, we got some good <laughs> tips. It was, a, it was a two-way street, Kim. Which conversation should be, right? Like it has right. to be equal exchange for sure. But, you know, again, listeners, this message is for you. Before you head to the next episode of Less Manifest, please don't forget to share this podcast, leave a review, follow Bamani on all socials listed in the show notes. Give him some praise. Let him know that, you know, you are here with him and you're supportive of everything he's doing. And most importantly, spread the word on Crave It right? Like that's really how change happens and impact really does resonate. So if you have any questions, if you want to send him, you know, a quick line, let him know you heard his story here. And until next time, let's manifest. Thanks, Bamani. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Manifest podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share this with your family, share this with your friends, share this with your colleagues. Just share this with your entire community. And until next time, let's manifest.